everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of the Time Out with DG podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Gotera. It is Tuesday, July 27th, and this is episode 68, where we dive into a whole bunch of topics. Hope you're having a fantastic week so far. It is hot outside. We are uh, officially in the Houston summer. It's amazing that we haven't actually hit 100 degrees yet. Found that out yesterday from our meteorologist. We uh, we have not hit 100 degrees. We've had so much rain this month that I guess it, it, it just hasn't been able to crack 100 degree mark. But boy, we're getting close to officially getting there. I feel like it is over 100 already. It feels like over 100, I think the feels-like temperature, what they call it, is like 106, 107. Man, it is hot. It's like Ron Burgundy drinking that milk outside. It's so damn hot out. Just don't drink milk because milk is a bad choice always. Thanks for stopping by, as I said, off of the top. It is episode 68. The uh, first thing we're going to get into is uh, the latest developments with the Big 12 and the SEC, UTNOU saying peace out to the Big 12. They are officially trying to get into the SEC. That news coming down today that they have formally requested membership into the Southeastern Conference. But before we dive into that and my thoughts on all that that is going on, I want you to go ahead and like and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already. Uh, we've got some fun things in the works here. I've been... Uh, I've been talking with our graphics department. I, I'm gonna put together, I'm gonna put together a video element to this, but it's gonna be in post production. So, you, you see a lot of podcasts that are live, and um, you know they're either on Periscope, on Facebook, on Twitter Live, the whole thing. But you know what? I've got a staff of one putting this together. That would be yours truly. Uh, but I am getting some help from our graphics department. So what I, I think I'm going to do is I'm going to record this. And I'm going to post the video afterwards, like a little, like a little post-production montage of what's going on. And then the, the whole video will be posted on YouTube, and it, it'll be like a condensed show. It'll have interviews and the whole thing. That's kind of where I'm heading. Um, it'll include all the headlines and all that sort of stuff that we've been talking about. So today we're going to talk OUUT leaving. We're also going to get into our top headlines, but my opening monologue will be about uh, Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. Uh, so, we talked about it on Friday that they want out. So, over the weekend, things got a little bit more serious. Texas A&M finally responded. They're obviously not happy with the move. But honestly, if I'm the Aggies, and I think I may have touched on this a little bit on my last episode, if I'm the Aggies... Speaking to some Aggies about this whole thing, they're a little like, I don't know, I'm kind of coming around to the whole thing. Dude, I'd be all for this, okay? So you have not played your rival in a decade. And the last time you guys faced each other, Justin Tucker hit a field goal at Kyle Field to win the game. I was there. It was a dramatic moment. It was uh, It was an awesome night of football. Those two schools need to play each other. The problem is that their egos are way too big, and one doesn't want to give in to the other, and they they always cite scheduling issues, which is complete crap. Um, look, Iowa and Iowa State find a way to play each other all the time. There are rivals that are in different conferences that play each other all the time. So that's crap. These two teams should be playing each other, and I'm excited that they're going to be again. But, man, if I'm the Aggies, I'm excited about Texas joining the SEC. Like, 
I have a 10-year head start on these guys. Right now, Texas A&M football is a better program than Texas. There's no question about that. Like, Texas brand might be bigger, you know, the whole Longhorns, and, you know, they're worth over a billion dollars, the brand itself, the Texas brand. But Texas A&M is not far behind, and the actual program on the field is so much better. They have a better coach in Jimbo Fisher. They have five-star athletes committing to them all the time, and they've got a foothold in Texas as far as the SEC goes, and they've got a 10-year head start. I would want Texas to come in. I want my rivals to come in and be like, step up, guys. Step up to my level now. We've kind of done our thing over here. Now they haven't actually won anything in the SEC. They've been better, but you know, you're competing against Alabama and LSU, Georgia, and all that. That's the next step, right? That's that's the next step for these programs to get to. But Texas A&M, you know, they finished just outside the college football playoff. If there was an 18 playoff, they would have been in it last year. And uh, I think they're right there. I would welcome the opportunity to play my rival again, especially at this moment, knowing that my football program is better than theirs. It's in a better spot than theirs. Now, anything can happen on any given Friday or Saturday whenever they play the game. But as of right now, I'm all for it, man. And uh, if I'm the Aggies, I'd be excited about it. I'd be like, oh, yeah, bring it on. Let's do it. I, 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 I personally, as a fan, thrive on that kind of competition. <clears throat> I welcome that. Um, I know from Northwestern's point of view, we're always the underdog, and nobody ever gives us a chance. Even this year, we just won the Western Division in the Big Ten, and nobody is picking us to even compete for the division championship again. It's it's a load of crap, but it happens every year, but there's a chip-on-your-shoulder mentality that goes along with it. And I think now that Texas going into the SEC or about to be in the SEC, even Oklahoma for that matter, should give that chip on their shoulder mentality to the Aggies, not Texas, because they're going to walk in thinking like they own the place and they will not own the place at all. That is going to be a harsh reality, a wake-up call for Texas especially. Oklahoma, I think, is in a better spot to compete, but Texas for sure, once they start competing with these schools on a week-in and week-out basis, uh, you're not playing Kansas you're not playing Texas Tech, who has been down in the last couple of years. You're not playing Baylor, who's been down in the last couple of years since uh, since they last went to the Cotton Bowl. I mean, it, this is big boys. This is a big time right now. So I think Texas is going to get a huge wake-up call. It's a good move for both schools because of money. And uh, the revenue that they will be getting is you know so much more than what they're getting in the Big 12. But... Uh, I think I think I think Texas A&M should be very excited about that. As far as the you know the way things have kind of worked itself out, I mean I, this this story came out last week. Apparently now we learn that Texas has been in communication within the uh, university about making this move for the last year, and you know that that was all behind the scenes stuff. They were you know the Big Twelve had no idea that this was going to happen. I, I equated it on the air on Monday. To that, to that text or like a high school breakup. This time, this breakup is worth millions and millions of dollars, but it's like a bad high school breakup. Like, I should know. I mean, it happened to me, right? When I was in high school, things are going along fine. Everything's good. Uh, you're having a great time with your girlfriend. Be like, oh, man, this is great. What are we going to do? And, and then all of a sudden, bam, she tells you, yeah, this is not working out. This is not working out, and uh, that happened to me, 
And I was like, whoa, where is this coming from? So that's like the Big 12. I was like, whoa, where is this coming from? And she wants to go, you know, explore something else. Uh, but except in my case, it wasn't a uh, text message. Uh, I got a note. Or was that a note? Or did she tell me in person? I don't really know. But uh, it was my first girlfriend that uh, kind of came out of the blue. But I think it was a note or something like that. And you're like, whoa. So the Big 12 is kind of like that right now. They're kind of scrambling. They don't know what to do. I think it's the end of the Big 12. Um, I, I really think some of these other schools need to explore other conferences. I think Iowa State should go to the Big 10 to give Iowa that natural rival. I think that makes sense. And I, I know the the Big 10 prides itself on being an academic standard conference. And, and really it is. If you look at all the schools within the Big 10, they – you know they have they have pretty good, um, pretty good academic standards, uh, with the with a few exceptions. Uh, but you know I, I don't know if Iowa State fits that profile per se. It's a good school, but I don't know if it fits that profile. But I think it's a natural, obviously geographical fit. I think Kansas would be a good addition for the Big Ten. Football wise, it doesn't matter. But that basketball product that Kansas would bring would be huge. Uh, for the uh, Big Ten brand, and, and, and it's already good, right? The Big Ten has uh, a lot of good basketball teams. Adding Kansas would be huge. That would give them 16 teams, and I think that would that would form a really solid conference. Um, I think if I'm Texas Tech, then I kind of explore the, the Pac-12. Um, I, I've heard rumblings about whether or not the Pac-12 should explore Houston. I think Houston is still going to kind of be left in this like weird spot, right? They're going to be in the American Conference. But now with the college football playoff expanding, you know, there are more possibilities. Not that U of H is even close to getting to the playoff, but uh, there are more possibilities that, that you don't necessarily have to be in a Power Five unless you're just talking about money. Uh, so there, there, it's, a, it's, a, it's a changing landscape now that OU and Texas are probably going to be going into the Big 12, oh, excuse me, into the SEC. They say they want to be a member school by 2025. I think that move is going to happen a lot sooner. In fact, a little bit later in one of my headlines, I, I catch up with one of uh, one of our my colleagues at KVU, the our station, our sister station in Austin, Jeff Jones. He's uh, one of the guys on their sports department over there, and we talk about this move a little bit. So we'll have that discussion here in a little while. But uh, I, I think money-wise, it, it, it's a great move. It's just crazy, man, how things can change so quickly. I mean, just a week ago, everybody was just kind of moving along, like, okay, we're getting ready for the college football season. The talk is that the playoff might expand. We we, we had all the NIL talk. You, you, do you hear anything about that anymore? No, we don't. Um, and so now it's all about conference realignment and how things are going to shake out. The big question mark now that Texas and OU are leaving is those Big 12 schools. I think there are some good brands there. I think TCU's a good brand. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Oklahoma State is also a good brand. Let's see what Oklahoma State is going to do. Uh, see how they stand alone. See, now that's going to be interesting how they, they, they do that, right? I, I don't think OU and Oklahoma State are going to take the same mindset that Texas and Texas A&M took. Uh, by not playing each other. I think those schools will find a way to play each other all the time uh, because that's such a great rivalry. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see as well. But conference realignment is here, and it is, uh, it is definitely fun to talk about. Um, I just know a lot of Longhorn fans are excited. They're ready to prove themselves in the SEC. So are Oklahoma fans. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. That's all I got to say. I think in the other sports, they're going to be fine. But football, 
the uh, the the money, the revenue ger- generating monster that football is. I think football is going to be a little tough for those guys once they head over to the SEC. Okay, so now let's dive into a couple of other headlines. Let's check those out. Let's start first. The Texans training camp starting up soon. In fact, in the next 24 hours, they'll be on the field and camp will be underway for the Texans. And boy, we got a big surprise over the weekend. Deshaun Watson reporting to camp, uh, which was very unexpected. But the reason he did is pretty simple. He just didn't want to lose $50,000 a day. I know he's a multimillionaire and he signed this huge contract, but you start adding up $50,000 every single day that you miss camp, that's going to add up very, very quickly. So uh, Deshaun Watson's back. What the Texas is going to do? Well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they play this out. Me personally, because I, I, I'm t- the type of the guy that holds grudges. I'm the type of guy that holds grudges. I, I would actually just have him sit down on the bench. I know he doesn't want to be there. I know he doesn't want to be a part of this thing that we have moving forward if I'm the Texans. I don't know exactly what it is they have moving forward, but they're trying to build some kind of camaraderie, some kind of confidence, at least with the group that they brought in. They have like 50 new players on the roster. I would not have Deshaun Watson anywhere near the field. I'd say, okay, you reported. We're not going to fine you, but you could go over there and sit on that bench for a little bit or stand on the sidelines, but we're not going to play you. Why are we going to give you reps Take away reps from guys like Tyrod Taylor or uh, Davis Mills, for example, and give you reps when you're never going to see the field for our team because you don't want to. So it's fine. He reported he didn't want to get fined, um, which I totally understand. I think also, honestly, it's kind of like a, an out of sight, out of mind thing. Like if he had not reported to camp, he would still be just in the background, right? We, you know, that's that's the thing, right? With with media and and you know, the attention that is focused on several, uh, several, several stories. Like, like, yeah, Deshaun's a big part of it, and Deshaun not being there would have been a big story. But honestly, once the practices get going and once we start seeing what David Culley has put in place and the offense and how some of the new guys are gelling with some of the older guys that stay, be- like, all the different football stories, no one would be talking about Deshaun Watson. Nobody. Uh, it, it'd be all about moving forward. Are they going to be good without him? No, probably not. But still, you want to have conversations about what is actually going on at the facility, about the guys that are there. But now Deshaun's back, so he kind of put his name back into the headlines, which then means the Texans had to then evaluate, well, what do we do now? What Do we trade him? And apparently they're listening to trade offers. I would not trade him this year. I would, I would wait. I would wait all the way until the end of the season and see what teams would want a quarterback and where their draft picks land. Because you have a better idea once the season is over which teams you'd be able to get a lot more from and the value that that uh, haul would would be all about. right? They should have traded him before this draft. He had a lot of teams that were in need of a quarterback that had a lot of good draft capital. They didn't do it then. I would wait now. I wouldn't trade him now because... You know, literally, Deshaun is the one piece of this team that you have that can really bring in a huge return. They don't have anything else on the team. They got rid of J.J. Uh, they got rid of Will Fuller. Like, all the pieces that they had to bring back stuff to help the rebuild uh, are gone. And Deshaun's that last piece. And Deshaun is really the one that will bring in the most. 
not only draft capital, but even players in return. They need to get the most. We're talking three first-round picks, maybe a quarterback. Like, we're talking a huge haul. He's 25, 26 years old in the prime of his career. I mean, there will be teams that line up that are ready to compete that will want a quarterback like that, but the Texans have to be smart about it. And I think that uh, I think that while waiting, if they do it now, they're not going to get the same return. Plus, this you know this whole looming cloud about all the uh, sexual allegations and the civil lawsuits that are. And now we we learn that there are ten criminal charges that have been filed against Deshaun, two of which are from accusers that are not asking for money. So that's another layer to this story. I mean, it just goes on and on. Fine, Deshaun is back. He doesn't want to get fined. That's okay. I get it. But you're going to sit on that bench. You're going to stand on the sidelines. You're not going to do anything because I know deep down inside you don't want to be here. So we don't want to waste time on you and what um, and what and what would take away from getting our guys ready for the season. That would be my approach from Nick Casario's point of view, from David Culley. They got enough on their plate dealing with all this all this change on the roster and implementing some kind of winning culture. They don't need some guy who's going to be negative, who doesn't want to actually want to be there, uh, affecting that and be a huge distraction. So I'd sit him down on the bench, and I'd be like, Deshaun, thanks for being here. You can watch your teammates play. If you'd like to be a part of it, we need a firm commitment from you that you want to be a part of this organization moving forward. If I don't get that firm commitment from him, I sit him down, and he does not see the field at all as a Houston Texan. I don't think he's going to play this year, but that would be my uh, my way of going about it uh, if I were the Texans. Headline number two, the Olympics. Olympics uh, still going strong, I guess you can say. Uh, ratings at a 33-year low for the Olympics. People just aren't watching. They are not watching the Olympic Games, and um, we talked about this last time. For me personally, I, I, I'm just not I'm not into it because I, I just don't have that. There's no star power. And look, we find out today that Simone Biles had to exit really the only star of the Olympics. I mean, the only well-known star of the Olympics is Simone Biles, and she had to drop out of the team competition because of uh, mental health issues. Um, I it was it was a surprise, but apparently after her first vault, she wasn't feeling it, and so she, for the betterment of the whole team, she drops out. I'm not one to criticize anybody, obviously for mental health issues. That that that's their own thing, and that's a very serious uh, that's a very serious situation. I just find it I find it interesting that. The reaction that she's getting is totally different than one that that would be given to other star athletes. Say somebody who drops out of the NBA Finals after a bad first quarter. And they say, well, my mental health, I need to worry about my mental health, so I'm, I'm just not going to sit out. I, I just, the dynamic there is interesting, but I do wish Simone the best. Hopefully she does get things sorted out. She said she's going to be working on it uh, in time so she can compete for the uh, individual uh, competition, but uh, I know everybody in Houston is rooting for her, so I, I do hope she uh, she's able to figure it out. Um, the other story about the Olympics is the U.S. men's basketball team lost to France the other day in their opening game, and apparently now there's a report that the players don't really like Greg Popovich's coaching style. That makes me happy, honestly, because I don't like Greg Popovich. I think he's an arrogant fool. 
Um, and, you know, he he makes everything. He thinks he's the smartest guy in every single room he walks into. I don't like him. I don't like his attitude, the way he treats reporters on the sidelines. I do think those interviews that they that they do are, are ridiculous. I don't think they have to be the case. But the way he talks down to reporters, the way he's at his attitude, he thinks he's so good. And the fact that it's completely falling apart around him kind of makes me happy a little bit. It, it, it puts a little bit of a smile on my face, to be honest, because uh, I don't like Greg Popovich at all. And uh, and, and maybe it's an elitist uh, attitude to take, a, a sports elitist attitude to take. But um, I don't think the NBA, uh, the NBA, I don't think the U.S. men's basketball team should ever lose a game. Now, I know parity around the world in basketball has gotten a little bit, you know, a little bit stronger. Teams are a little bit better. Uh, they have a little bit more cohesive units instead of, you know, these, these NBA guys getting together for like a quick camp and then going to play. So I know it's different, but I, I just I, I'm one of those guys that thinks that we, sh- we should not lose a game in basketball. Like, like that is our sport, and we should not lose. And we lost to France the other day, and what, I, I don't know what that bodes. I don't think that bodes very well for the rest of the tournament. Now, they've lost to Nigeria. They've lost to Australia. They've lost to France. I mean, there are better teams out there than those squads. Like, Argentina's a good team. Spain is good. Uh, man, I'm telling you. That's something to look out for. We'll see what uh, what happens with uh, with the U.S. men's basketball team. And, uh, yeah, I really the only thing that I've watched at the Olympics was a little bit of table tennis the other day at, like, 1240 in the morning after I had some adult beverages. Um, that's about it. That's the only <laughs> that's the only thing I've watched at the Olympics. And uh, and, and I, the ratings show the ratings show that uh, they're not uh, they're not getting the ratings that they used to. And um, and that's kind of unfortunate because I, I really think there's a lot of Olympic apathy this year. Not a lot of people talking about it. We don't have, like I said, the star power, Simone Biles, yes, but there's no Michael Phelps. We have Katie Ledecky, who's a good swimmer, but that's, I mean, she's a great swimmer, but it's not a marketable person. Not like a Michael Phelps or um, even like a Usain Bolt in track. And we'll see when the track and field competition comes around or because I think, I think a lot of people kind of gravitate to that because it's just it's inherently exciting the races are exciting, but there's no fans in the stands, and I think that kind of affects the product as well. Uh, that's part of the sports watching experience to to get the reaction from the crowd and you kind of feel a part of it. But there's nobody in the stands, and I do feel bad for those athletes because they're competing in front of empty stadiums, which has got to be a huge bummer. But anyway, uh, that's the Olympics, and they will continue on this week. We'll see what Simone Biles does. Hopefully, she's able to bounce back. Headline three, let's go back to that UTOU conversation. I kind of teased it a little bit. My talk with Jeff Jones, it's a, it's a brief conversation, but I thought it was an interesting perspective that he gives from Austin. He's uh, one of our sports guys at KVU, our sister station in Austin. And uh, I talked to him a little bit about this and what his take was on, uh, on the statements that were released on Monday when the uh, Big 12 got the letter officially from UT and OU saying that they would not renew their media rights deal. I thought the wording of that was interesting. We talk about that too. So that's my conversation right now with Jeff Jones of KVU. All right. So the news that we expected came down uh, on Monday. What do you uh, What do you think? What's the uh, reaction in Austin? You know, like you said, it was expected. It was expected. So really, no surprises here. Um, 
I think people in Austin are still just kind of confused. They want to know if this is good news for the Longhorns, especially the football team, or if this is just going to make their path to the playoff that much more difficult. And I think in the short term, sure, things are going to be tougher, especially on the football field. But in the long term, this is going to turn into the SEC and everyone else. And that's not just in football, but you think about volleyball, you think about baseball, you think about women's basketball, These, they, the SEC and some uh, the SEC has dominant teams in all of those sports as well. So eventually, and I think in the near future, in the next five or 10 years, it's going to be the SEC and everyone else. And I'm happy that the Longhorns position themselves to not be everyone else. So I thought it was interesting in that statement. They, they kind of gave themselves an out at the end of it, I feel like. <laughs> so was it, okay, we're going to honor the agreement through 2024, at least the football season-wise, 2025 contract-wise school year. Uh, but we're still going to uh, explore uh, the ever-changing landscape. Uh, do you think this happens before then? Do you think they're out and into the SEC before 2024? I definitely do. And I love that you pointed out that sentence was the last sentence in their statement. So it's like they're just inching towards the door, inching towards the door, and it's like, all right, we're going. Basically is what they said. We're going to find a time between now and when our agreement is over. And if it fits us and fits our plans for the future, we're going to be gone. And I think that legally, their team, uh, the, the guys at Texas and the guys at Oklahoma, pieced together this statement, said all the right things that they needed to say. They intend to fulfill their agreement. They're going to follow things by the book. But when their chance to go away, and, and we think it's to the SEC, when it pops up, I think they're going to find a way to make it happen. And it could be by paying that $80 million out. Or, for all we know, the lawyers are on the phone right now negotiating some kind of deal with the Big 12 to get them out before June of 2025 for a, a number that is less than $80 million. And I know you're in Austin. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to many Aggies, <laughs> but it's coming. This is coming. It's coming fast. Um, what, do you, what do you think that dynamic is going to be? If you, me personally, I'm just happy that these two teams are going to play each other again because it's a long time coming. I was there the last game when Tucker hit the field goal. Um, this, this needs to happen. And I feel like at the end of the day, while they're not happy now, this in the, in the long run is going to be good for both programs. It's a fan's dream, isn't it, Daniel? Like you said, we all have memories of that Justin Tucker field goal, or at least the people who work around and, and wear burr orange have memories of that Justin Tucker field goal. I'm sure the Aggies <laughs> oh, I have think, memories of I think the maroon ones do too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one side has dreams, the other side has nightmares. How about that? That's but right. Yeah, it's time to create more memories, you know, and it's, it's past time. We've seen these two programs play recently in men's basketball, recently in women's basketball, and now it's time for the biggest sport on both of those huge campuses, the top two revenue generating programs in the nation, it's time for them to get back on the football field and, and do what they do best, hate each other and put on a great show for us football fans. And finally, I teased it the other day, but it's time to announce the school that we will be featuring on this year's edition of the program. Uh, in case you haven't seen it, I can't believe you haven't. Um, it's probably one of the coolest high school uh, sports shows, not just high school sports shows, one of the best sports shows in Houston. Um, I'm a little biased, but there is nobody doing this kind of stuff at any other station in any other location than what we're doing. Um, I started this show back in 2017 when Hurricane Harvey hit. It's basically a high school hard knocks, right? A hard knocks version for high school. I, I've had this idea for a long time. I thought it'd be really cool to follow a team a high school through training camp as they get ready for their first game, learn a little bit more about these kids, feature them a little bit, profile them, 
give them a platform to talk about who they are, the coaches to talk about their programs. We've done Pearland, we've done Santa Fe, we've done North Shore, and this year it's time to feature the Marshall Buffaloes. Thurgood Marshall Buffaloes. They will be the team that is featured this year on the program. We are excited. Coach James Williams and his and his staff have done a fantastic job down there. How they how they've mixed in football with track. Boy, they've got a great team this year. I know they fell short a little bit last year from what they thought they could be, but this year they've got a lot of guys coming back. Marshall is the team that will be featured. That show is currently in production. We are uh, getting interviews done next week, and we uh, we will be featuring some of that content here on the podcast and throughout the next couple of months as we lead up to the air date, which should be in the third week of September. But like I said, this type of sports programming you will not find anywhere else in Houston. You will not see it on any other station. That's for sure. That's because we got the best people at Channel 11, KHOU, doing this stuff. So it's really cool stuff, really cool content. If you haven't seen the other shows, I, I highly recommend it. Go check it out. It's on YouTube, on our YouTube page. Just search the program and put in either Pearland, North Shore, or Santa Fe. All the uh, episodes are up there, but Marshall should be a good one, too. Some good characters that will be featured on the show. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. I will be back tomorrow with a Texans camp preview. Aaron Wilson, NFL insider, will be joining me for that. We will talk all things Texans. We will see what Deshaun Watson does, if he's even on the field. And uh, we will go from there, talk to him about what he expects out of this training camp. As uh, it should be a very interesting month and a half as we lead up to the opener. In September, the David Cully era is officially underway. I, I can't believe I'm saying that. Oh, man, what a mess they are. Let's see if they can give us some fun moments, though, to talk about. Anyway, that's the podcast episode, episode 68 in the books. I will see you later.